Welcome to Volunteer Connection, a podcast for Girl Scout volunteers, parents, and Girl Scouts of all ages. I'm your host, Sarah, coming to you from sunny Arizona. This is the first ever podcast of its kind. We're bringing you interviews with Girl Scout volunteers from across the country and even the world. Conversations with high-achieving girls who set big goals and crush them. And panel discussions and debates about the latest news and information related to girls and Girl Scouting. Why don't we start with an introduction? Uh, So tell us who you are and where you're from and what council you're most closely affiliated with. And then how are you involved in Girl Scouts? Hi. um, Well, my name is Bridget McNeil, and I'm one of the co-leaders for Troop 16537. And we're from the Hamilton Mill Service Unit. We're part of the Greater Atlanta Girl Scouts. And uh, I am a co-leader of a large, large troop. What grade levels are in your troop and um, how many girls are in it? So I actually have a troop that spans K to 12, and I have 20 girls at this time, and I have three adult volunteers that support uh, that large range of girls as well as size of troop. Wow, that's amazing. So I'm so fascinated by these like super troops that span all the grade levels. How did you find um, volunteers to help you on that kind of a scale? And what do your what does your meeting schedule look or what does your meeting structure look like? I guess is a better way to put it. As far as uh, do you do things more together? Do you separate by grade level? What does that look like? The way we run our troop meetings is that uh, my troop was originally a very small troop. It's been a small troop for the past uh, few years. Uh, It was a troop of brownies, and what we decided this year was we would open our troop up to girls on the autism spectrum. I'm an autism mom, and I felt like it was definitely a natural add-on to my troop. And when we added on uh, the additional girls, the troop just grew, and the size went from about five girls to 20 in less than a month. Uh, So we had to kind of scramble to figure out how to do that. Uh, For us, we have girls from daisies to ambassadors, and the way we structure our meetings to make sure that everyone is getting what they need out of it is we have, we've divided the troop into two groups. We have the base group, which is basically my original brownie troop, and the adaptive group. So every two weeks on a Monday, the base group meets. On a Tuesday, the adaptive group meets. And once a month, at least, I try to do what we call a total troop event where all 20 girls are invited and we're working on badges, we're doing fun activities, and that gives us an opportunity to interact all together. The other thing that we do, however, because it's really important to us to be inclusive, is that if you can't make one meeting, you can come to the other. So we're all on track working on similar things, even if it's not exactly the same badge. I try to keep us in the neighborhood of working on the same thing. So, for instance, if we're working on a snacks badge in brownies, we're all working on something within that family of badges. What is the ratio for how many, how large is your base group and how large is your adaptive group? Um, Well, we are, we have, I believe, eight girls in the base group and 12 in the adaptive group. 
Okay. And when you say that you opened up your troop to um, the this autism spectrum community that you are part of, what does that look like? How did you go about doing that? Well, what we did uh, was that I'm a member of a autism support community here called ATL Spectrum, and I simply just saw, uh, sent out a note to the user group uh, that I'm part of for them. It's a support group, and I just sent out a note and said, you know, I am a Girl Scout leader, and um, if your daughter would be interested at all in joining the Girl Scouts, I would be happy to have her. You know, please email me back for more information. And then one of the things I did specify when I sent that notice was, you know, this isn't just for high-functioning girls. This is for all girls. Everyone's welcome. Um, and one of the reasons for that is that um, my twin boys are severely autistic. They do activities with me all the time. They're very capable. Uh, the things they struggle with, you know, are language-based, um, sometimes a little behavioral-based. But they can do crafts. They can make snacks. They can play. They can, you know, have community skills, time, the same things that we basically do in Girl Scouts a lot of the time. So when we opened it up, you know, I had mom saying to me, well, my daughter's 16, but developmentally she's only about five or six. Is that okay? I said, well, well of course it's okay. You know, we will, we will find a way to make this work because what we're trying to do in our troop is do our badge work and our activities in the spirit that they're intended. You know, we probably won't be, uh, you know, having the girls that are on the spectrum that have a little more difficulty, we won't be having them, you know, do archery, but there's lots of other things they can do. So that's kind of, you know, how it all unfolded. And I actually just had a girl ad last week, her mom just came up and said, Hey, I just saw this old notice, I would love for my daughter to get to be a Girl Scout. I was a Girl Scout, that would mean a lot to me. So that's, that's kind of how the, the genesis of it unfolded. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's honestly, your story is beautiful. And I'm so grateful that you came on here to share it with us. Um, so you're continuing to add girls. What is your capacity at, with your current volunteer help? And do you have like a limit that you have already set? Or if not, what is your plan as far as to continue to have the support and the help that you need to run a troop that size? So I hate to say that there's a limit. Because if there are girls who want to be part of Girl Scouts, um, I'm also the Troop Development Coordinator volunteer for my service unit. And I feel like if there are girls who want to be Girl Scouts, it's part of my responsibility to find a way to make that happen. With my troop, I set the limit at 30. So we're at 20. Theoretically, I could take on another 10 girls. I have another adult who would gladly volunteer. And I think it, with four adults, we could manage 30 girls. That's a pretty big troop. Um, at a certain point, I would really very likely have to ask someone to help me split the troop, um, which I hate to do, you know, uh, because I feel like if someone's not an autism parent um, or, or, or an educator, they might struggle with the girls who are not at the higher end of the spectrum. But uh, for now, I'm going to be happy if we're under 30 and, you know, just having a great time, spending time doing Girl Scout things, spending time together, learning things. I think all that's really meaningful. Uh, I'm not sure what's next in terms of gr growth of that troop, but it just feels very organic and fun. Uh, we're having a spectacular time, 
And I think that uh, it could, in theory, you know, grow to much more down the road. But right now we're kind of baby stepping, uh, just figuring the whole thing out. When you, how did you find the other three volunteers who are currently supporting your troop or did it come, did you come together organically? Did you have to ask people to step up? How did that look? So the other two moms that are currently uh, part of the process, because there's three of us right now, um, were actually uh, my previous co-leader and another mom from the previous years before we expanded the troop. So natural fits. Um, we're all three, you know, super tight in terms of we're on the same page. We understand each other. So it is kind of a perfect marriage in terms of co-leadership, the three of us. Uh, we all work really, really well together. Uh, my, my original co-leader, Crystal, and I took over the troop the second year of Daisies when the other two leaders just didn't want to pick it up again after the first year. And we had such a great time with our girls together. We wanted to continue it. And so she and I have been together for a long time now. This is our third year together, fourth in total, but third as leaders. And then the other mom who is a co-leader, Katie, stepped up this year when I needed some help. Um, and so we meet at her house, which is a great spot. She's got a great area for doing crafts and activities. And so it, it really works out. Now, the adaptive group, they, we actually all meet at Joanne's because it's kind of a central location in the county. And my girls do come from all over the county. So it's not just one school district that we're pulling from. Uh, so we just decided that since we have the partnership with Joanne's, it was a, a good spot for everyone to meet at. And Joanne's has been incredibly gracious in working with us while we're there. One of the things that you mentioned is that this um, setup that you have could be particularly challenging for volunteers who aren't themselves parents of um, kids who might have different needs as far as support goes. So what tips or suggestions do you have for volunteers who may have girls who want to join their troop or who have joined their troop that they don't have experience with the best ways to support those girls? Um, I would say, first of all, keep in mind that they're just little girls. And very frequently, the biological age you're looking at completely belies the age inside that little girl's mind. And so you have to keep in mind that your cadets are not going to be on par with neurotypical cadets. They're just, it's not going to be the same. They're going to be more like your brownies, maybe. Or maybe they'll be more like the juniors because all these children are very, very different. So whereas from a Girl Scouting point of view, we very frequently lead a group towards our badge work en masse. We all do it together. With this kind of leadership, you're really giving each girl to her own. You know, if, if you need to do it this way and you need to do it this way and you need to do it the other way, it takes a little bit more patience, you know. Um, additionally. Um, seeking out support in the community. Uh, for us in this area, it would be the ATL Spectrum Group. Other communities have different support things, even reaching out to Autism Speaks. They have some great documentation for the kind of things. But then one of the most important things for me, because when I have a large group of girls, um, I ask that their moms, you know, not only just stay for the meetings, but be part of everything. So that if the mom, if the girls become upset, frustrated, confused, anything that's going to cause them to feel 
unhappy where they are, their mom is there. And for the girls on the spectrum, that really has seemed to make a big difference. My, my base troop doesn't care. Their, their moms could all leave. They're, they're ready for Girl Scouts. But for the autism girls, they, their mom being there helps us keep everybody on track, keeps us doing things when we're making crafts or we're working on a project. So that's, that's an important tip. And the moms will help you understand what the girl needs. So I, we did, we went to a Native Peoples event and one of the activities was building a, a mud wall and one of the mothers says, oh no, she, she can't touch mud. I said, okay, well, she doesn't have to. That's fine. You know, that, that's just, we don't all have to do it. So having the mom's involvement, super key and just, you know, listen. And I think that the girls will very frequently give you clues on what they like. Um, another thing too to keep in mind is that children on the spectrum aren't sensitive to many of the social norms. They might yell about things in happiness or in frustration. They might you know, have stemming activities where they spin things or they rock or different things like that. Those things can be signs of joy. Those things can be signs of stress. And learning to differentiate them can be difficult when you have a room full of children that you're not super familiar with. Having those moms there makes all the difference. Um, so were you a Girl Scout as a child? I was. I was a Girl Scout all the way through cadets. And then we moved. And I just I didn't ever join another troop. My mom was a Girl Scout. My grandma was a Girl Scout leader. So it's uh, definitely something that runs in the family. What's one of your favorite memories um, from when you were a Girl Scout growing up? One of my favorite memories was honestly like one of the worst camping trips. And I think sometimes, you know, the, the worst events make uh, great memories is that where we camped in Indiana was a beautiful facility called Gallihue. I'm from Indiana. And we ended up having to camp in the field that was at the base of the dam and tent camping. Um, older girls got the cabins, brownies and juniors got the field. And this particular year for Camporee, it was a three-day overnight. It rained. <laughs> and it rained every day. And we weren't up on platforms. We were down on the ground. It was very primitive. Thank goodness our leader had a couple of good tents because we weren't laying in water despite the fact that the ground was waterlogged, but it was just a, a fun survival event. We were wet. It was miserable. We were cooking by the fire, holding umbrellas over the fire to keep the fire burning, but it was fun. You know, we were, we were Girl Scouts and we were singing songs. And then during the part of the day when the sun would come out, we would get to canoe and we worked on our badges and the camaraderie and those life experiences that you build through persevering and still getting your badge work done, despite the terrible weather, we didn't go home. I think it not only creates lifelong friendships, but it also helps create a sense of accomplishment and that you can do things and things don't have to be perfect for you to still do things. That's just one of my very favorite memories as a Girl Scout. Great story. So why did you decide to get involved as a volunteer and why do you continue to come back? So <clears throat> we got involved 
after our first two leaders um, just quit, they didn't want to come back. And we really wanted them to, our girls to stay together. Um, it was just really important to us. My co other co-leader's daughter is on the autism spectrum. Uh, she's higher functioning. She's very verbal. Um, but she had put her in Girl Scouts as a socialization activity. And so we liked each other. And at the time, when we first took it over, I, I really had no idea what I was doing. And neither did she. And she was very, very busy. She's a professional photographer. And she said, well, look, we can meet at my house, but I don't have time to do all this badge stuff and, you know, whatever. She's like, I've got a craft box we can use. And so that was sort of like how we began our journey as Daisy Troop Leaders. <laughs> she had the house and a craft box, and I had enough time to look up how to do the badges. And so we're like, we'll do it. How hard could it be? And honestly, I have to say, you know, it's not hard. And maybe it's not hard because I love it. I don't know. But, you know, watching our little girls bridge to brownies and watching them this year so excited excited and you know working on badges and doing the next thing and even I think this year we're even more invigorated with the bigger troop and we're planning bigger things that I think that uh, I'm getting far more satisfaction out of this than I expected and I can't see myself quitting doing this anytime soon um, my daughter's only eight so she's a brownie she'll be a junior next year and I'm pretty excited that that kind of leaves me a, a long runway to stay very, very involved with Girl Scouts. Yeah, that's great. What is one of your proudest moments as a Girl Scout volunteer? Uh, I really have to say that uh, the moment I sat down and opened my email and saw a flood of emails from autism moms that were ecstatic that there was this opportunity for their daughters. And I mean, I have, to, I have to say that it's not that the opportunity wasn't there. Girl Scouts is so inclusive. People are welcome. But as a special needs parent, you assume things aren't for you. I just, I don't know how to put that any differently because they generally are not. You know, if, if there's this, this club and that club and all these things, they're not assuming that you're coming with anything other than neurotypical children. These activities and clubs and sports teams, they're, they're not for our special needs children. And I just felt like Girl Scouts is not like that. But somebody had to raise their hand and go, hey, this is for you. And when I saw all those emails in my email box, I was like, daggone it, I did it. This, is, this was exactly the right thing to do. So that, was, that made me pretty proud, it really did. Yeah, that gives me chills to think about. It's really special. <clears throat> what is one of the craziest or silliest memories that you have? Oh, my goodness. These girls are incredibly silly. I would say that, you know, one of the funniest things that has happened actually recently was um, when we, I'll, I'll tell you, we actually recently, uh, with both groups, did a, a backstage tour at Chick-fil-A. And so we did it to celebrate our uh, working on our Georgia on my mind badges that we worked on, which is a local council badge. And our, our girls got to go backstage and they got to see how they make everything. And, you know, it's so funny. Like, it's such a simple thing, right? It's fast food. If you've worked fast food, you know, 
Chick-fil-A is pretty impressive. They have an amazing, you know, whole thing going on back behind the scenes to make quality food. But I think the silliest thing was like afterwards, all the ice cream mustaches and happy faces and they were laughing and they're giggling. And it was just such a strangely joyful thing, you know, um, it is very hard to explain, but after, you know, they got to eat and they got to see the tour. And then at the end, the manager made them all ice cream. There was an, an intense amount of joy going on. So Girl Scouts isn't just to help girls grow. It's for adults to grow too. And that's actually kind of the main reason why I wanted to do this podcast is because I think the way that the girls grow is beautiful and amazing and incredible. And we love celebrating that, but I don't think we always do enough celebration of the ways that adults grow from this or are impacted by this just as much. So um, what is one way that you've been impacted or changed through the experience of volunteering for Girl Scouts? Um, I'd say that one of the things that it's really shown me is that uh, I would say when I first started, I really didn't think I had any any real sort of crafty creativity or anything like that. Um, if I would pretty much follow the online guide to the badges and that's just what we did because I don't know what the heck to do. And I think since then, this year, especially as we, you know, continue to work on things, I've really felt myself able to kind of think of like, well, what could we do? And a great example is we, we have a countywide bake-off that we do here in this area in Gwinnett County. And, you know, some of my autism moms weren't entirely sure if their girls could participate. And I said, well, of course they could participate. My boys help me cook. They, they can help. They can, they can do the stirring and you can help them, you know, mix. And so one of the things I did was I reached out to a local bakery called Special Needs and Treats. And they, they work with people in the autism community and employ them. I said, could we come by and do like a tips and tricks and how to work with your children in the, you know, in the kitchen. And they were like, sure, come on. So we're doing that. And just thinking of what are my resources and just, you know, not just looking at the badge requirements, but like what else can I do to make this magical and great for the girls has really made me a lot more creative and given me a lot more confidence as a leader. What has been your biggest challenge as a troop volunteer? For me, um, I think it was getting started. Um, I think that for me, I struggled because I just didn't know what I didn't know or what I was doing. It, you know, Girl Scouting has changed a lot in the, oh my gosh, what, 35, 40 years since I was a Girl Scout, a million years. Um, and so it's not that it's just that the processes have changed, you know, the ideals, the concepts, and those things are all the same, but how we do it, you know, what we're doing, uh, those things, I, I had just never considered what it meant to be a leader and what I needed to do. And so all of the things that are involved were a challenge for me at first. Um, one of my friends at the, at the local uh, Girl Scouts of America said, man, she said, I didn't think you were going to make it. <laughs> I said, well, I did. I made it. I figured it out. But I, I think I just had so many questions and I wasn't sure. And I was, you know, I just, I was very needy and it was a big challenge for me because I'm not sure that we always do the best job with 
new troop leaders um, just in general, but I'm trying to be more engaging in my role. And I know my service unit leaders are definitely trying. Um, they're great ladies. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, those are things that maybe it was just me, but I want to be part of the solution on that. What do you think would have been helpful to you if you'd had it? Like what could have made that transition easier on you? I, th- I think in a perfect world, you would have a mentor. And I know that that's like something else for a leader to take on, which is a drag. But in a perfect world, there would be somebody who's assigned to, you know, I am going to take care of you and I'm going to make sure you know stuff. And I, you know, um, there's a, a troop here that I helped them put together and the new leader is, you know, I've really talked to her all the time. She'll say, oh my gosh, what does this mean? <laughs> I'll say, oh no, no, it's okay. Let me explain it to you. And I didn't have that person. I don't think a lot of people have that person, but I, I try to reach out and talk to people. Um, and I, I should even be better at it than I am. But I think that just sort of globally, if you had someone who knew how to do Daisy leadership, you know, and who was your person you could call and say, oh my gosh, I don't understand this. Or we're going to a parade. What forms do we need? I, I think last year, you know, we went to one event and, or two years ago, I think. And I was like, what do you mean we need forms? Right? I mean, like permission slips. I, I had no idea. So there's a, there's a perfect world where if we had the resources and everybody had the bandwidth that each service unit, I think, should have a mentor Maybe they mentor all the levels. I, I don't know what the answer is, but somebody who, and maybe they meet with people. Like I meet people for coffee. Like, let's go, give me an excuse to go to Starbucks and I'll get a cookie or something. Um, and we'll just talk and we'll work out what's confusing or what you're not sure about or how we do it. But having somebody to reach out to who you can, you know, look in the eye and say, I'm confused, I think is meaningful. All right, so let's pretend you could go back and talk to the version of you when you were just starting out. What do you wish you could tell yourself? I would say look in your spam folder for emails. (laughs) Emails I didn't know were coming, so I I would have been looking for them. That would have been one thing. Um, Another thing I think I would have also probably just reached out myself um, and found someone who could help me figure things out. Um, But I think also, honestly, I've thought about this a lot lately. It's kind of funny. I really wish I had opened my troop up much, much sooner to the autism community. I, you know, I have girls that are in high school and I think it would have been so wonderful if we'd have been here for them for two years or three years, you know, that, that I missed this opportunity to be there for those girls and to give them this experience and to not just them, give their moms their experience of their daughter getting to be a Girl Scout because let's, you know, don't kid yourself. It means something to their moms too. And um, I wish I had done that sooner. That's great. What advice would you give other new troop volunteers who are just starting out? So I would strongly advise you to, Communicate, communicate, communicate. If you became a troop volunteer, there is somebody who leads your service unit. Find out who it is and communicate with them. 
if there's a troop development coordinator, if you have somebody who works and does training or education, communicate with them. Go to your service unit meetings. If your local council has troop leader development meetings, go to them. And those kind of things are amazingly helpful. And what advice would you give somebody who's considering whether or not to go ahead and take it on and step up and volunteer with their troop? Hurry up, sign up. No, I, I would say do it, do it, do it. Um, it is incredibly fun. It is, without question, one of the most fun things I've ever done. It is a special thing my daughter and I get to do. It's something, you know, I got to share with my own mom because she had been a Girl Scout. So she came to tons of meetings as an adult volunteer. She helped us with badge work. Um, and there's just something very special about that time that you, you can't get back once they age beyond it. And I think that watching them learn to be leaders, watching them learn to be confident is incredibly enriching as a parent and as a leader. What is one of your favorite or one of your go-to resources that you've found that helps you run your troop? So I do hodgepodge. Um, I obviously, you know, use the, I go to the Girl Scout site, um, obviously for the outline of my badges and my badge work. But then I go to Pinterest a lot uh, and look up what other troops did if they're working on things. I uh, look at, and, you know, I can't name any off the top of my head. I'm notorious for Googling, you know, uh, you know, Girl Scout Brownie Making Friends badge and look through what they did and, and, you know, look through what activities people did, what games they did, how they set up different things. Um, and I've even done some research on other councils that have special needs programs to see, you know, what do they do? What do they recommend? Um, and I've done some reading on different things. It's all out there. It's really great. There's a lot of things that people have published. So I, I hit the internet pretty hard when we're working on something. Uh, but I think that knowing what you want to work on, especially when you have a multi-level troop, you know, for me, the badge work becomes thematic. So, you know, making friends badge. Well, let's find a way to apply that across all of our levels. Maybe there really isn't a level a badge for everyone, but it's still a very meaningful activity. And we're going to do social skills activities and we're going to get to know each other and we're going to play games and do cooperative activities. So those are just the kind of things that, um, that I use for resources. You know, obviously the old, the old standard uh, Girl Scout website, but additionally, uh, I use the hack out of Pinterest and various blogs that I stumble into. That's awesome. And what is something that you have planned or that you want to plan that's upcoming that you're looking forward to? So we've got a lot going on. Um, this Friday night, our service unit, uh, many of the troops, I'm not, I don't think it's all 28 troops, but a, I would think about half the troops maybe, we're, we each are donating a bike to the Salvation Army Angel Tree at the mall. So we're all going together to donate our bikes. And then on Saturday morning, our total troop is going to march in the city Christmas parade. So we have that coming up. Then next week, we're hosting our Christmas party, and our troops are going to have ugly sweater parties. And we'll be having lots of treats and games and crafts 
for that's going to be our last meeting in December for both troops on Monday and Tuesday of next week. And then we're going to kick off the new year with a tips and tricks on baking with uh, for all girls, including girls on the spectrum at the Special Needs and Treats Bakery. And then in January, we will have the County Bake Off, which will start with our troop level. And then I think through March, it works up from troop to service level and then to county. So we're gearing up for a lot of things. Do you have any other stories or advice or suggestions or something last thing that you wanted to share? Um, I would just say the, the last thing I would share would be that you know, leading a group of girls is incredibly rewarding, and I think it's one of the best things I've ever done. Leading a group of girls that didn't really think Girl Scouts was an option for them is about 10 times more. So anyone who is even remotely considering that they could take on something like this, if you think you could do it, you very probably can. Find us online www.girlscoutpodcast.com We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash girlscoutpodcast and even Instagram at girlscoutpodcast Are you or is someone you know interested in being on the show? We'd love to have you. Go to our Facebook page to learn more about how facebook.com slash girlscoutpodcast This show and the entirety of its online presence is in no way affiliated with or endorsed by GSUSA. This podcast was completely created and developed by volunteers and girls. Don't forget to hit subscribe. We have a ton of great content coming soon.